Welcome back to Recalibrate, a mindset podcast designed to help you break free from the old and press on to the new. It blesses me to know that you connect with me week after week to listen, to learn, and to grow. If you're a subscriber, thank you so much. If you are new to this podcast, I hope that you get more than you expect from it. After listening to today's episode, would you take a few minutes of your time to give us a five-star rating? I didn't say three. I didn't say two. I didn't say one. <laughs> I said a five-star rating. And and would you take a few minutes also to write a review, a positive review? Love your feedback. It helps fuel my passion. It keeps me going, and it keeps me focused. I love to I love to hear from you and love to know what, what it is that uh, you're liking and what's, what's helping uh, transform your life. It helps me pick the right topics to share. Can I read one to you right now? This is from Nismo GTI. <laughs> he says, gotta leave a five-star review for my dad. Not biased at all, but he is a talented speaker and now a talented podcaster. That's my dad. <laughs> Thank you so much, my dear son. I love you, and I cherish every one of those words. Here's a quick shout out to my son, David. I encourage you, if you like uh, adventure, if you are into overlanding, or you're into history, look him up. He is Overland Nomad on Instagram and on his YouTube channel. He's got some great content. He's a very talented videographer and narrator. Check him out. Can Larry come in now? What would that feel like, um, talking with him? He can talk better than I can. Did your husband cut your arm? Oh, I don't think he really meant to. Has he ever hurt you before? He, he never really means it. It's, it's just when he's drinking. Have you ever thought about leaving your husband? Oh, I could never do that. I couldn't live without him. He's really good to us. And how is he good to you? He drives me to the store, and he drives me to his parents, and he takes me to his wrestling matches, and... Does he ever take you to visit your parents? Well, he doesn't like to visit them uh, very much. That fragment was taken from an interview between a counselor and one of her clients. What does that sound like to you? How did she sound to you? Is that a voice that you've heard before? Is that a conversation that you've had with other people? Or is that a conversation that you, you've had with yourself? Today's episode deals with codependency. And let me preface by saying this, every one of the episodes that I've shared has a little bit of psychology, a little bit of spirituality, and a little bit of theology. It all comes together to help you better understand self and understand others and to identify whether you are in a relationship that is unbalanced or balanced. I hope that you receive revelation from each and every one of the episodes that you listen to. When God gave us his 10 commandments, think about it. He began with these words. He said, 
you shall have no other what? No other gods. He said, you shall have no other gods before me. That's an exodus. He knew that if we would make our relationship with him, with him, our top priority, he would bless our lives. And through our other relationships, we would be a blessing to others. You see, the primary problem with codependency, which is what we're talking about today, the primary issue, now listen, with codependency is that it violates the heart of God's first commandment. In a codependent relationship, you allow someone else to take the place that God alone should have in your heart. You allow another person to be your God. If you have a misplaced dependency, you will have neither peace with God nor the peace of God. But, (laughs) here goes the big but, but if you put the Lord first, living each day dependent on Him, you will have God's peace even when others are not peaceful toward you. This is one reason God said to us, you shall have no other gods before me. So stop right there and imagine for just one moment that you have been handpicked by Almighty God to impact all of the people around you. You've been chosen to be the liberator throughout the land. You've been chosen to have the respect of all people, chosen as the highest judge over the entire nation. God has even spelled out the specifics you must do in order to protect your power and safeguard your strength. Soon, the stories, the awesome stories of your success have spread like wildfire. And then all of a sudden, in walks Delilah. You know you're not to reveal the secret of your strength because God has said to you, don't tell. Yet you, you feel torn. You want to please God, but uh, you also want to please Delilah, who has asked you to disclose the source of your strength. You try to resist, but the more you do, the more she cries, she begs, she prods, and she pleads. Now you find yourself in the Delilah dilemma. As you try to take care of her feelings, you cave in to her manipulation. Finally, finally you confide that your strength is in your obedience to God, in never ever cutting your hair. Big mistake. A big mistake that leads to unimagined misery. Delilah tells the enemy, the Philistines, and they cut your hair and take you captive. However, your biggest mistake is not what you said, but what you did. You let Delilah be your God instead of letting God be your God. If Samson had not been so dependent on pleasing Delilah, if he had not been a codependent people pleaser, he, would, he wouldn't have lost his strength, his status, his sight. He wouldn't have lost his spiritual insight. Ultimately, his dependency led to his disobedience, which in turn led to his downfall. In truth, <laughs> Samson's pride caused his own downfall, for he prioritized the words of Delilah over the words of God. You see, Proverbs 18.12 says this, Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. So by definition, a dependency is a reliance on something or someone else for support or even existence. It's when people say, I have to have this in order to live. A dependency can be negative. It can be positive. It can be as negative as, as saying, I need cocaine in order to to live my life, or 
It can be positive. Positive like saying, I depend on Christ in my life. A dependency can also be an addiction to anything like an object, behavior, or a person that represents an an underlying attempt to get emotional needs met. People will say, I must do this to meet my needs, to make me happy. Over the years in my counseling practice, I've encountered individuals who are dependent on drugs, tobacco, alcohol, porn. They say they need these things in order to live their lives. Others suffer from addictive behaviors. They are, uh, they gamble. They spend excessively. They eat compulsively or they have inappropriate sex. There are other addictive behaviors, by the way, that appear to be good and that are socially acceptable, but maybe equally harmful, like perfectionism, which I've oftentimes said that perfectionism is an outward expression of an inward lack of peace. Yes, let me say that again. Perfectionism isn't something that you should be proud of. Now, we strive for excellence, of course. The Bible says that God is a God of excellence, and if we have been made according to His likeness and image, well, that's what we shoot for, excellence. But we cannot shoot for perfectionism. Again, perfectionism, according to my own definition, perfectionism is an outward expression of an inward lack of peace. Of course, it is socially acceptable because people appreciate a perfectionist. Another uh equally addictive behavior that is hazardous to your whole life is workaholism. People who work not eight hours, not 10 hours, but 15 hours, 16 hours a day, they are workaholics and they pride themselves in that. Another addictive behavior is caregiving. People who dedicate their whole lives to that one individual to care for and they forget about themselves and of course they forget about God. Some people have a love addiction in which they feel that their identity is in another person. They are love addicts. They are emotionally dependent on someone strong. And then, of course, we have a savior addiction. This is, uh, this is an addiction in which the individual feels that their identity is in their ability to meet the needs of another person. They think... They are, they are a strong savior that needs to be needed by someone else who is weaker. And the issue is that because these addictions provide a momentary high, good feelings are associated with them. However, the book of Proverbs gives us this warning. It's Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but at the end, it leads to death. The past five months hasn't just been you. And the things I've been doing has done a lot of damage to me. I'm not forcing you to, like, stay down here and be with me or anything. No, I want to be with you. I left treatment because, number one, it sucked being away from you. Number two, before I left, you told me, as soon as you leave, I'm going to kill myself. So the whole way there I'm driving, I'm thinking, oh, great, when I get to rehab, I'm going to get a phone call saying that Chris killed himself. I don't think you understand what that would have done to me. Like, at all. When you left, that was it for me. If I didn't get the call that you were coming back, I was ready to jump off the I-95 bridge. I was at that point. I was at such a low of a point. Well, I just wanted to know, I didn't leave you 
because I wanted to leave you. I left you because I was sick and tired of doing the same freaking thing every day. It just made me feel like I was just a piece of shit, nothing, like, worthless. Well, that's that I can't even literally look myself in the mirror anymore because I hate myself. What would you like to do as far as, you know, moving forward? Would you want to go to treatment? I want to go to treatment together. I don't think I could do it by myself. I don't think I could do this by myself either. That's a clip from the show Viceland. Uh, this is a clip of two dependent, codependent individuals that are addicted to drugs. Can you hear the codependent phraseology, the verbiage? At the very end, they both say, I can't do this on my own. I can't do it without you. That right there is indicative of a dependent and codependent relationship that is destined to be doomed. A codependent is anyone, now listen, anyone who is dependent on another person to the point of being controlled or manipulated by that person. I mean, when we look at the story of Samson and Delilah, uh, Samson wasn't uh, giving out his secret to Delilah until she she said, uh, you hate me. You don't really love me. You haven't told me the answer. I mean, she insisted. She manipulated. She used her sensuality to the point of controlling Samson, breaking him, and getting exactly what she wanted from him. In a codependent relationship, there is one that we call the enabler. An enabler is a codependent person who enables the dependent person to continue with whatever the addiction is without drawing and maintaining boundaries. Remember, we talked about that long time ago in uh, the episode called Guard Your Heart. We talked about boundaries. So an enabler does not draw boundaries and allows the dependent person to do their will every time, no matter how destructive it may be. I've had people ask me, how can I know whether I'm an enabler or not? Well, let me tell you. You are an enabler if you perpetuate someone else's destructive behavior by protecting that person from painful consequences that could actually serve as a motivation for change. You get in the way. You get in God's way. The enabling parent allows the teenager's drug habit to continue with no repercussions, even to the detriment of other family members. The enabling wife calls her husband's boss to say that he has the flu when in fact he has a hangover. So ask yourself, how many lies have you told to protect the reputation of the one with the destructive habit? Let me give you some common codependent relationship examples. See, I want to paint a picture in your mind. I want you to better understand this concept so that you can easily identify it either in yourself or in other people. A common one is a wife who is excessively helpless around her husband, and the husband needs his wife to stay helpless. She needs him to do everything for her, otherwise she can't, and he enjoys that. Or a husband who is excessively needy in how he relates to his wife, and the wife needs him to stay needy. She becomes almost like his his mother. Uh, There are students who are excessively tied to a teacher, and the teacher uh, needs the student to stay tied. Or a child who is excessively 
pampered by the parent. (laughs) I know several of those. And the parent needs the child to stay in need of pampering. They don't ever want their kid to grow up. These are the parents who say, oh, I wish wish they uh, they stayed at this age forever and ever. In other words, they never want them to grow up. And the question is why? Well, the older the individual is, the more independent they become. And the parent does not like that at all. Can children be conditioned to be codependent? Absolutely. An example, a clear example is in the Bible. Rebecca shows a blatant bias toward her second-born son, Jacob, because he stays close to, to home. He's always around her. In other words, he's somewhat of a mama's boy. He's a homebody. He really doesn't like to be outside. He doesn't like to sweat. He doesn't like the outdoors. Meanwhile, Isaac favors his firstborn son Esau because he has a prowess in hunting. I mean, he is an outdoorsman. He's a man's man. He's tough. He's rugged. But since no two children have identical skills, all children should be recognized for their differences and respected for their distinctiveness. Oh, but Rebecca does not love in this way. Uh Uh-uh. She becomes obsessed. Thus, The conniving begins. Rebecca wants Jacob to receive the birthright of the firstborn. She becomes determined to deceive her husband so that he will give it to Jacob. Because of the enmeshed relationship between Rebecca and Jacob, she finds it easy to persuade her her son to defraud his father. You see, she plots and she schemes. She secretly plans. Rebecca coaches Jacob to cover his hands with the skin of a young goat so that they feel like the hands of his brother. She even dresses Jacob in Esau's clothes. Because of old age and weak eyes, his father Isaac, he's fooled. Although the scheme is a success, Jacob is found out and flees for his life. He doesn't escape his passive dependency, though. All too soon, He again becomes manipulated by others. His father-in-law and his own two wives are crafty and they are cunning. Meanwhile, he feels conned and controlled. Such is the misery in adulthood when one is enmeshed in childhood. So to answer your question, yes, you can program, you can condition a young man to become codependent in adulthood. Actually, as parents, we have the ability to condition the minds of our children for anything, for good or for evil. And therefore, we have to be very careful. We have to be cognizant of the fact that the first 11 years of their life are formative years. Actually, the first seven are even more important. That's when they solidify their personality, those characteristics, their values, their their morals, their principles. And so you've got to be very cognizant of those formative years and use them wisely. The classic codependent relationship is typically, it's typically characterized by an emotionally weak person who feels the need to be connected to an emotionally strong person. The so-called strong one is actually weak because of the need to be <laughs> needed. 
Both are insecure and they become entangled in a web of emotional bondage. The two combine to produce a destructive cycle of manipulation and control, draining joy and happiness out of life. Because this destructive dynamic is often subconscious, both parties can feel innocent of any wrongdoings. In other words, they can't see it. They can't recognize it. Yet God knows that their self-absorbed motives are consumed with trying to fill an empty emotional bucket that has no bottom. There is a void. Proverbs 16.2 says, All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Let me give you a blueprint of what a relationship between two codependent individuals looks like. They both feel a loss of personal identity. They both violate their consciences. They both have difficulty establishing healthy, intimate relationships. They both struggle with low self-worth. They both control and manipulate. They both have difficulty setting boundaries. They both become jealous and possessive. They both fear abandonment. They both experience extreme ups and extreme downs. They're both in denial. They both have a false sense of security, and they both usually have one other addiction besides the relationship that we've discussed before. And they both feel trapped in the relationship that they're in. So the question is, is a friendship codependent when two friends depend on one another? No, not really. If the friendship is interdependent, in other words, it reciprocates with balanced sharing, then it's a healthy one. But if the friendship is codependent, it is out of balance, then that is definitely unhealthy. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, regarding friendship, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens another, or so a friend sharpens another. And so that is basically your healthy relationship, where the relationship reciprocates, where each other encourages and lifts up one another and sharpens like iron sharpens iron. So if you're asking yourself at this point, you're probably wondering, Am I codependent or am I in a codependent relationship? Well, I'm going to attach a a checklist test that you can easily take on your own and ask yourself these questions or reflective questions. I will attach that to today's show notes for your review. So the other question is, what draws people into destructive codependent relationships? Well, the answer is pretty simple and is most often found in uh, the childhood pains a past pain that impacts their adult choices. In other words, codependent people are grown-ups that never grew up. All children progress through five developmental stages on their way to maturity and adulthood. So God designed the family to provide the necessary structure for the healthy completion of each of these stages. If as a child, we fail to progress successfully from one certain stage to another, our development will be stunted at that stage and we will grow up to be emotionally immature adults. We will develop adult bodies, but like children, we will be underdeveloped emotionally. And as a result, we will be inclined to be drawn into a codependent, needy relationship. About 12 years ago in my counseling practice, I interviewed a couple that had been married for 25 years. 
they had never had any children. Actually, they had uh, hardly ever had any form of intimacy. Uh, in all reality, they were intimate perhaps once or twice a year. Therefore, they had no children. You see, he was a great individual. He was a professional. He was respectful and cared for his wife. They lived out in the country uh, on a big property, and they had uh, they had a, a few cows and horses and, and a dog. Uh, she spent most of her time there. She had everything that she needed and wanted. Actually, she was uh, pampered by him. However, she had this uh, this this disgust towards men, especially her husband. And whenever she Whenever she was going through a fit or throwing a fit and she wasn't getting her way, she would revert back to the time in which she was stuck in that childhood stage or phase in her life when she was hurt the most. And so we had found out that she had been abused by her father at age nine. And it was something that was stuck in her subconscious mind that it took a lot of coaching and counseling to pull out from the subconscious and to deal with it. And so we connected the dots every time she was upset and throwing a fit because she wasn't getting her way. She would go back to acting like a nine-year-old. She would kick, scream, punch, pull hair, throw things in the air, and act like a child. And so she was stuck in that stage just as people who are in codependent relationships. I've always said that a parent's greatest success is when his or her own children become independent of them and dependent on Almighty God. Boys specifically can become enmeshed with either or both parents, but more typically, they become enmeshed with their mother. A boy who has played the role of surrogate companion to his mother, which happens a lot, feels engulfed, enmeshed, smothered, and intruded upon. His wants and needs have merged with hers, and now the boy's identity is lost. So if you are a mom and you're listening to me today and your husband travels a lot, or your husband simply is away a lot from the home, please, please, please don't don't train up your child to believe that he is the man of the house because dad is away. He is not the man of the house. He is your child. He is your son, and that's all. And he needs to understand that and not try to take a role that does not belong to him because the expectation is unrealistic and eventually he will lose his identity. Now, I want you to listen to the following clip. It is from the Dr. Phil show and it illustrates a mother controlling her son's every move. My mom tries to control everything in my life, what I wear to who I date. I refuse to let him fail. I do everything that I do out of my love for him. I have paid for reads, schooling, cars, trips, everything that I felt would help him to become the person that I wanted him to be. My mom treats me like a child. I treat him the same way as I do my customers. If they don't call me back, I'll call them and call them until I get an answer. But I'm not gonna be ignored. How old are you? I'm 33, almost 34. Okay, are you tough to deal with? Absolutely. So what is your motive? I do not want him to fail. You couldn't be programming him more for failure if you got up 30 minutes before he did every day and tied his arms and legs. I just want him to be able to do it on his own. How is he going to do that if you call him 10 times in the morning to wake him up? Return my first call. Well, look, maybe he's too busy. Doing what? Maybe he's out in the backyard sucking on a rock and staring at the sun. I don't know. 
You offered him $20,000 to get a divorce? I said if you are sure you want a divorce, I will take care of it. You need to step up, man up, and own your own life. If that means that you have to put up a wall and put up boundaries with her, then that's what you have to do. You're going to have to understand, I don't have to force or buy or bribe or sneak my way into his life. If I'll just sit back and relax, I will be invited in. Wow. <laughs> and Dr. Phil asked, what is your motive? Her motive? I don't want to see him fail. Oh, but by the way, I want him to be independent. Oh, and by the way, I do everything for him. I make all of his payments. <laughs> and I'm also trying to get him uh, to divorce his wife. I'm paying him to divorce her. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. At this point, some of you are thinking, boy, that sounds so much like my own parents. Or that sounds a lot like my in-laws and their relationship with my spouse. Whatever the situation may be. The only way that you can put a stop to it and to establish a healthy relationship is by setting boundaries. Healthy boundaries, by all means. Don't just go into the backyard and suck on a rock while staring at the sun. People in codependent relationships may need to take small steps toward some separation in that relationship. They may need to find a hobby or an activity they enjoy outside of that relationship. See, a codependent person should try to spend time with supportive family members or even friends or within the church. The enabler must decide that they are not helping their codependent partner by allowing them to make extreme sacrifices. Individual group therapy is also a very helpful way to help people who are in codependent relationships. Finding uh, an experienced counselor or coach can help them actually find ways to acknowledge and express their feelings that may have been buried since childhood. Keep in mind, as I mentioned earlier, some of those things are buried underneath uh, in the subconscious mind. Those are things that you have yet to even discover, and you need proper help, professional help, to help unbury those things, to deal with them, to unlearn behaviors, and to relearn or learn new ones. People who are abused will need to recognize past abuse and start to feel their own needs and emotions again. In other words, recognize and confront the issue so that you can deal with it. Finally, both parties in a codependent relationship must learn to acknowledge specific patterns of behavior, such as needing to be needed and expecting the other person to center their life around them. These steps are not easy to do, but they're well worth it. They're worth the effort to help both parties discover how to be in a balanced, two-sided relationship. In a 2014 thesis study titled, An Exploration of the Experience of Codependency Through Interpretive Phenomenological Analysis, several participants who identified as being codependent explained their self-views. One participant said this, Codependency, I think, is a way of losing yourself. My experience is that when you suffer from codependency, you have no sense of self. You have no ego. You have no agenda. You have no feelings. You have no right to have your wishes met. You are invisible. You don't belong. In other words, being in a codependent relationship, what it means is that you're not giving nor getting the respect that you deserve. It causes you to reject help from others because you don't want to feel vulnerable. It distances you from yourself because you shut down. Some of the characteristics of codependency, as I mentioned earlier, are low self-esteem, people-pleasing behavior, poor boundaries and difficulty saying no, reacting instead of responding, caretaking, need for control, 
dysfunctional communication, obsessing over other people or relationships, and depending on others to like themselves. There are several ways that you can reverse codependent tendencies. First, you need to visualize yourself in a loving relationship filled with respect and and appreciation. One where you can voice your concerns freely without being shut up and a place where you can exercise your boundaries and be respected for it. And next, challenge your self-defeating thoughts. Remind yourself each day that it's okay to accept help when you need it. And don't hold yourself back from experiencing an intimate, loving relationship. Look, overcoming the dysfunctional patterns that you have developed from childhood may be challenging, and it may take some time, but it's completely worth it because you get you back. The you that deserves love, respect, kindness, appreciation, and all good things. I want to end this episode by giving you a few simple steps on how to break free from codependency. I'm going to use the word release. I think it's a great verb to use in this case. And I'm going to use the word or the verb release as an acronym. I'm going to take each letter. I want you to pay close attention. The R stands for recognize. Recognize that you are overly dependent on a person and instead place your dependency on God. In other words, Admit that your codependency is a sin. Pray that God will give you the desire to put Him first and to please Him in all your relationships. Determine to look to the Lord to meet your needs for love, for significance, and for security. And realize that God did not create you to meet all the needs of another person. The E in release stands for examine. Examine your patterns of codependent thinking. Don't believe that pleasing people is always Christ-like. That's not your job. You're not supposed to be a yes man. Remember, no is one of the most powerful words in any language. Don't think that you should always assume the role of peacemaker. Don't fear losing the love of others when you allow them to suffer the consequences of their negative actions. And don't say yes when you really believe you should say no. The L in release stands for let go. Let go of your super responsible mentality. It's a mindset. Confess that you are trying to be like God in the life of another person. (laughs) In other words, you're probably that person that doesn't let God work in an individual's life because you keep on getting in the way. Get out of the way. Let go. Trust God to be actively working in the life of your loved one. Realize that you cannot make another person be dependable or responsible. Rest in God's sovereign control over all people, events, and circumstances. The E stands for extend. Extend forgiveness to those who have caused you pain. So start by reflecting on any type of abuse you have experienced in the past, whether it be verbal, emotional, physical, or sexual. Ask yourself, what has been unjust and painful in my life? Who do I need to forgive? Would would I be willing to release this person and the pain to God. Choose to forgive again whenever your angry feelings resurface. The A in release stands for appropriate. Appropriate your identity in Christ. Learn to live out of your resources in Christ Jesus. Know the truth. I can be emotionally set free because Christ lives in me. Believe the truth. I can change my dependency on people through the power of Christ in me. Appropriate the truth. I will nurture only healthy, godly relationships because 
I've been given Christ's divine nature. The S stands for set healthy boundaries. Very important. If you're having issues with boundaries, go back to the very first episodes of this podcast and look for Guard Your Heart, part one and two. Listen to it. So set healthy boundaries. Communicate the necessity for change. In other words, tell the other individual, I realize that I've not been responding to you in healthy ways. I've been far too dependent on you to meet my needs, and I have sought to meet all of your needs. I'm committed to having healthy relationships and to putting God first in my life. I know that I've had negative responses to you, and I intend to begin having positive responses by making decisions based on what is right in the eyes of God. And the final letter E stands for exchange. Exchange your emotional focus for spiritual focus. In other words, make God and your spiritual growth your first priority. And that should be at the top of your list, my friend. So in order to do that, you pray, you praise, and you read the word of God. Very simple. Pray, praise, or worship, and read the word of God. So attend an in-depth Bible study in order to learn the heart of God and to grow spiritually with the people of God. Memorize the word of God. Memorize sections of scripture in order to put God's word in your heart and to learn the ways of God. And redirect your thoughts to the Lord and go on prayer walks. Just go around your neighborhood, walk around the block while you you pray and you connect with the Lord. And again, you know, just as David did, and I've mentioned this prayer over and over, ask the Lord, search my heart, O God, and put my thoughts to the test and show me if there's any iniquity within me. As you seek to break free from codependent behaviors, pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I renounce as a lie the thought that I could ever be truly abandoned or alone. Thank you that you will never abandon me or leave me without support. Thank you that no matter what I do or what my circumstances, no matter who is in my life or not in my life, you will be with me and provide for my every need. Thank you that your plans for me are for my good and that you will carry them out. Thank you that you are not dependent on anything or anyone other than yourself to bring about your good intentions towards me. I trust in you and you alone to give me meaning and purpose and fulfillment in my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I hope and pray that this episode has blessed you. I pray that it has woken a lot of you up to the reality that you may be living in a codependent relationship or that someone that you love is in one right now. You may be able to help them. Would you share this podcast with them? Would you help them also open their eyes? Would you allow this podcast to bring revelation to their own hearts that they may see where they're at and the potential of where they could be. As I have mentioned before in other episodes, I will attach my Instagram uh, link to the show notes as well as my scheduling uh, app. Also, in the event that you would like to schedule a time for one-on-one coaching or one-on-one counseling or even marital or group counseling. You can find all that information in the show notes. I would love to connect with you. If you just want to send a message, would you send it through Instagram? I'm 
pretty good at replying uh, in less than 24 hours. And so we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Take a few minutes. Please rate this podcast. Give us a five-star rating if you would. And leave a positive comment. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless you guys. Love you in Christ.